Hey, you want to know how to make sure your company accelerates quickly right from the start. And maybe you know how to get more people on board. You can really scale. You can make a big impact in your industry. Well, I talked to Andrew Butt. He's the founder and CEO of Enable. And what they've been able to do is phenomenal. They've grown really, really quickly. He's even moved across the globe to help make it happen. He shares that you have to be primarily focused in a niche. You've got to have your focus of where you're going to compete, not worry about going outside. And I love the way he puts it. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. Check it out. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Yes, I am Matt. Welcome, welcome. This is Sastery in the Making. Really excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. It is going to be a great day today. I am thrilled to be joined by my special guest, Andrew Butt. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. Oh, it's super awesome to have you here. Let me tell everybody about you, Andrew. Andrew is the founder and CEO of Enable. And Enable is a leading collaboration platform for maximizing the performance of your B2B deals while improving financial transparency and driving operational efficiency. Really, it allows you to manage all of your deals and rebate calculations on one simple platform. He's also formerly the co-founder and managing director at DCS e-commerce. So he definitely knows his stuff when it comes to starting and running successful companies. Once again, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Very happy to be here and uh, great to meet you, Matt. Very, very cool. Well, I want to know, tell me what's going on lately at Enable and what's coming up for you guys? Sure. Yeah. Well, a lot is going on. We're growing very rapidly. So I relocated from the UK to the US. I'm in San Francisco now at the beginning of last year. And, and at that point, we had zero people in the US and zero people in Canada. We were all in the UK where we started. And really, having having won some great customers out here, I saw the opportunity to, to grow rapidly in North America. So, um, you know, we've been hiring a lot of people. We've got some great people on board, both in the US and Canada. We've opened offices in Toronto very recently, and we're, we're probably now um, probably more than double the, the team size we were last year, and, and even even more than double on customers and, and revenue. So certainly a lot going on. That's amazing. I want to kind of touch on that a bit because there's a lot of people internationally that listen to this show. I have a lot of my clients are all around the world. In fact, the flag's behind my head. That's where all of my clients are. And the UK, where you're from, is the number two most popular spot for my clients right behind the US. And so I want to know, what was it that made you decide, hey, we've got to get a presence in the US? How did you make that determination and how has it been? Mm, Sure. Well, I think it was really part of a commitment to build a a very significant company, build a company of consequence, something that could be truly global. And when we, we really saw the need for what we do and the, the response from our early customers, we, we realized that opportunity to be able to take this truly global. And I really looked at the, the map and you know looked at other software companies, let's say all the, all the sort of top public companies we all know, and most of them are headquartered in the US. And in fact, most of them headquartered in California. So that was, that was a good starting point and a good clue that, that we should really have a physical presence here. Yeah, exactly. And how has it been? It sounds like you've hired a bunch of people. How was that decision a good one? Definitely. Yeah, no, we've, we've been able to get some great, uh, amazing talent out here. And the other big thing is is actually raising capital. So again, you know, Silicon Valley, 
great place, best place in the world to to meet the best investors who really understand how to create these global companies in, in software and SaaS. And that, that's been a great decision to set up here and raise raise investment here. Okay, cool. Very, very cool. So tell me, what does Enable offer exactly? What exactly is it that you guys help people with? Sure. So what we recognized is that the vast majority of global trade you know, across across more than 50 industries goes through the supply chain. It goes through retailers, it goes through distribution. It, it basically goes through a few steps to get from the manufacturer to the, the customer. And we, we all know, you know, supply chain digitization is like a cliche that it's, it's been talked about a lot, but that, that supply chain is, is very manual and uh, there's a real lack of technology. So what Enable does is it really helps trading partners in the supply chain, like manufacturers and distributors, to collaborate together online, create trading programs together online, and, and really helps those guys to service their customers better. And obviously, I can go more into that, but that's that's the broad space that we're in. So it's it's huge, and it's it's a wide open door uh, based on the, the the state of technology in the supply chain right now. So it's so technology is a bit behind, is what you're saying? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think B to C, you know, e-commerce is definitely where most of the investment has been over the last twenty years, and that kind of B to B and supply chain space has been largely neglected. How did you identify this as an area that definitely needs some some tech improvement? Yeah, so it's actually through my co-founder. So so uh, Enables created by me and my co-founder, a guy called Dennis Short. And Dennis is a very successful UK entrepreneur who runs now the largest distributor of health, beauty and household products in the UK. So him and I met, we were actually both learning to fly. That's our other passion in life. And, and I was the kind of tech techie and he was the business entrepreneurial guy. And, and we very quickly saw these challenges within his business and in, in his supply chain, if you like, and, and then realized it affected everyone else in the same way. That's amazing. And then I am a huge airplane nut as well. Did you get your pilot's license? I did. I actually got my helicopter license first. And oh, that wow. was another story because uh, I, was, I was really programming for the flying school and, and they, they, they gave me flying lessons in exchange. I didn't expect it, but they were very generous. And so I got my helicopter license at a young age and then did my, my fixed wing later. Oh, that's amazing. Very, very cool. We'd have to talk about that on some other podcast someday, but that's amazing. So sure. I want to know, can you, can you tell us, I know you guys really focus on B2B rebates. How, how do B2B rebates work and, and how is that different than maybe a consumer type rebate? Sure. So I guess the the overall principle is similar, which is it's really trying to, to drive behavior and it's, it's to incentivize people to behave in a certain way. Um, so, so buy certain products, hit a certain quantity, hit a certain volume, and then get the, the rebate back. Whereas if, if you don't do a rebate and you just do, let's say, a discount, it, it doesn't really drive behavior because you can just, you can just buy one, um, whereas manufacturers want you to buy 50. Uh, so in that way, it's quite similar. But I think a difference is in in the supply chain and in b2b this is a huge everyday process which is really just part of running the business and mm. and you know but in the consumer world it's more of like a one-off and it's, it's quite a kind of ad hoc process so um it's, it's le less important i'd say in the b2c world from what i can see okay okay interesting so i saw this piece that a lot of rebates are going unclaimed why are so many rebates going unclaimed what's that about because people don't track them correctly and this is of course where software comes in and so so it's it's again especially in the supply chain in in physical goods which again is is a huge percentage of of all all sales um globally then then 
each company uses their own tracking tools. Most of them are manual. They're kind of Excel spreadsheets and you know bits of paper even. And so that means it's just very difficult to keep up with with what rebates are due and manage them correctly. And and as a result, they go unclaimed. Yeah, that's that's scary. And you talked about everybody tracking things manually. Those that actually do, because it sounds like a lot aren't. But the yeah. ones who do, they're doing it on maybe spreadsheets and such. Your your target market. Do they understand that there's a better way? One, and if they maybe do, or you get a you you kind of educate them on that. How have you been able to get them to make a digital transformation to this? Because I think that that's something that a lot of software founders struggle with. Is hey, what if someone is not using a product currently? That sounds great, but getting them to understand that they have a solution that that's possible, that they have a better way, can be a challenge. How have you guys been able to do it, Andrew? Sure. Well, I think timing for us has been been good. So we we actually we actually kind of spun this off from our previous business, and the previous business was was more a services company building software on a custom basis. And we we kind of saw this come up quite a few times, and we saw the market starting to get a bit more educated. And and then as that really started to pick up, we we built a genuine SaaS product and launched Enable as a as a SaaS business. So. Um, the timing was just right, and there's no doubt, there's still a lot of education, so a lot of people don't really understand this and don't really know this is out there, but that is absolutely changing. People are, are realizing this and um, you know, are, are kind of getting on board. So we're definitely at that inflection point, I would say, right now, but you're right, a few years ago would have been too early to do this. And is there anything as part of your process, you know, we focus a lot on sales and marketing here, is there anything you're doing there to make sure people understand that this is the way of the future or this is the way to do it or maybe just get them really excited for what your product can do to solve their problems. Mm. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so we talk a lot about um we talk a lot about the the deal economy as we call it and it's we've got lots of content on our website and and how important it is and how effective it can be at again uh, driving behavior and being more joined up uh, in the supply chain. So so for manufacturers their distributors are their sales teams and they want to kind of have that uh, integration and be working together so we have a lot of thought leadership and content on why this is important and and then the product comes in later really you know we can certainly demo the product and show what it does but we're already talking to a market that understands the importance of this and why it needs to be done well that is really really important i hope that everybody takes that to heart that when you are demoing you're already talking to somebody who gets it who understands it what are you guys doing to help educate them? Is it content? Is it is it uh, like uh, you're doing some services like webinars or something? How how are you getting them kind of warmed up and ready for this yeah. product? Yeah, no, I think all of the above. So we certainly have some some content and practices on 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 what effective rebate deals look like, and we've got lots of case studies on how they work for our customers. We we do videos. We've got a fairly active YouTube channel with customer interviews. Uh, we also do a very comprehensive ROI model where we could go in and and work through all the different areas of kind of leakage and risk and opportunities. Uh, and this is without getting into any software. It's just talking about the kind of business landscape and and then showing them what the return could be for them of using an automated approach to managing their rebates. So uh, yeah, lots of material, lots of content. I think videos are particularly uh, particularly work well and and customer engagement. And then also sponsoring industry events and speaking at industry events across different verticals that we we operate in. 
That's fantastic. I completely agree. That sounds like exactly what somebody should do if they want to go through this process. I hope people listening heard that. Just giving them the content, the videos, all the different ways that they can understand how this is going to make a change for them. That's huge. I love that. I want to know that I'm sure that went great, but what are some of the other key decisions or actions that you've taken along the way to kind of aid your growth? You guys have done great. What have been some of the key things that have done that for you, Andrew? Yeah. So I think I always say focus is very important. And we had a massive transition from the, my previous life of a services company where we were providing lots of different services and building lots of different software to try and solve all sorts of problems. And, and, and that was fine you know, on a small scale and for the, the fairly small number of customers we had. But I think what's been important to enable is to be laser focused on what problems are we solving? How can we solve them better than anyone else? And then developing a great solution for, for that and, and being quite narrow and deep. So that kind of depth and, and focus, I think, has been, has been very important. And then I think also um, kind of uh, the transition we made of going from bootstrapped to venture backed was quite important because we had established that, that initial product market fit. We'd got great early case studies and we needed to scale that out rapidly and, and keep ahead of, of anyone else in, in the market. And, uh, and that was a really good decision to help us build momentum. Yeah, I love that. When did you guys make that decision or, or how did you come to that conclusion that, hey, we've been bootstrapped, but now we figured it out and, and now we can scale. Let's go get money. How exactly did that all happen? Yeah, so I would say uh, two years ago, um, 2019, we we got you know quite a few customers on our platform, and and again, um, we were we were kind of getting great feedback from those customers. They were feeding the return and and feeding the benefit, and we we discovered quite a few different industries and geographies where we could be effective, and so it was time to put our foot on the gas, and and we knew to go to go quickly. We, we would not have the capital to do that ourselves. You know, we, we really, um, and we want to go big. We want to take this company to IPO and beyond. And we weren't going to do that by bootstrapping. So two years ago, I decided to make that change, started meeting investors, and we actually got to our, our Series A uh, rapidly. And, and it, was, it was a really fast process. That's awesome. Good for you. So cool that you were able to make that happen quickly. I know some people struggle with it. So I want to hear that, you know, there's some good things that happened, but I also want to know, what were some of the obstacles that you encountered along the way and how did you overcome those to get to the success you've seen? Sure. Well, I think, um, I think that, uh, so, so many, so, um, there's, there's kind of working with big and often quite, quite kind of traditional, um, customers, uh, traditional companies and, mm -hmm. and they're very risk averse and, you know, want to work with often very large companies uh, and 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 you know companies that are extremely proven as opposed to a, a modern SaaS and a startup so the, the challenge is there get, getting all the right certifications you know security wise and everything else to give them confidence that we are a viable player and better than than the kind of more traditional alternatives so i guess that's one category of, of challenge i think also course building a team is, is always challenging and managing a team remotely hiring team hiring a team remotely those things have been have been really quite difficult at times uh, but we've we've um, really done done quite well and, and hired some amazing people got some great great talent uh, so um, I think probably customers and and people are, are two two big groups of, of challenges I think the investment side of it 
was was smooth but but as, as any process you know also some ups and downs and uh, when the pandemic struck for example which actually was just after we'd raised the first round for series a uh, really working out how we were going to run the business and and having like a plan a and a plan b and a plan c and and kind of getting the the, the backing and belief from our investors uh, was 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 important there so so i guess uh, customer challenges team uh, high, you know, talent challenges, and then finally, uh, investors and board management. Oh, that's that's fantastic! I'm so cool. I'm so glad you were able to overcome those challenges. I want to kind of dive into those. So, on the customer side, you're absolutely right. I've seen that a lot. Where on enterprise companies, big companies, they don't really have a lot of trust in a new startup. Is this startup mm-hmm. going to be able to deliver for us? Are they going to be around for a while? Do these people know what they're doing? How were you able to to kind of get them to have that belief in you, that trust that you would be able to serve their needs? Yeah, uh, great question. So, I mean, we we were fortunate because again, our product was working very well, and and we had a great team. So, what that meant is we were able to almost do a try before you buy, or or make it very very low risk for a customer to say, look, you can try this out. Uh, we can we can kind of load it with some of your data and show you the proof that it will it will work and hit your objectives and and, and also you know just make it very very low risk for you to work with us we're not not asking you to sign a very long contract necessarily and we're not we're not asking for significant upfront investment it's very much kind of use pay as you use so those were some of the things we could do uh, because of the strength of the product that we had that's amazing that's so cool and it's so true they have an idea of risk in their head that if mm. they make this uh, choice, then it's risky. You know, it might not work. They might be slowed down. They might not get to their goals. And so what you said there is great. It's all about making that risk minimized or eliminated altogether. Mm. And that's when your buyers are going to be able to make good decisions for you. So awesome. I'm so glad you said that. The, the second one, the key team members that you were able to get on board, even though they are remote, how did you do that? How did you make sure that they were going to be good team members? And how have you kept that that energy going, even though you have team people all over the place, like you mentioned? Mm. Yeah. So I think recruitment-wise, we've done quite a few things. We we do a lot of we get a lot of referrals internally, so which is, is is the best source of finding people. And we For we sure. make a lot of noise with our team about about how you know they are the most important assets and the most important thing about enable and the best way of finding more people like them is, is people that they know so so that that was helpful as a referral source we have also worked with some great recruiters as well to to supplement that and and had really quite a, a structured process to to meet people in a first stage second stage interviews and get quite a few people enable involved in in meeting meeting everyone so that's been a really structured process i think once people are on board the number one thing for me is about engagement is is the kind of mission that we're on so things like uh, salary and equity and is, is all important but uh, really the most important thing is is having a clear uh, vision and mission uh, which which is is meaningful and which is exciting and that that that's the thing which is infectious and then people feel that they're doing something worthwhile and and that that leads to the, the best level of engagement and that's a strong belief that I have. There's lots of things we can do around the outside. We've got all sorts of benefits that we provide, but the central thing has to be a very meaningful kind of mission, which 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 is what people are excited about and why they why they turn up every day. That's amazing. So really, it's all about intrinsically they feel bought in to what's happening and where you're going, and that they feel like they're a part of it. Yes. 
exactly. And having that, we have lots of team sessions uh, on Zoom. We are definitely getting back to face-to-face as well, and that's that's being rolled out um, steadily and, and safely. But lots of cross-team sessions where we really celebrate all the success that that the different teams have and, and encourage that cross working and show how everyone relates to everyone else. So often we tell customer stories and explain how every single team had an impact on that and, and how, how it all came together. That's amazing. I love it. So, so all that being said, what tips would you give to other software founders who are just starting out on their journey, Andrew? Yeah. So I think again, it's about having a focused uh, uh, kind of, mission and, and f- finding a specific problem or set of problems that you can solve better than better than anyone else and and going deep into into that you know really it's so easy human nature to be broad and take on a million different things but but really saying no and going deep and and becoming an expert and having a unique perspective a, a nuanced perspective to solving a, a particular problem that's really the starting point and i think Get get a few customers that that you can you can work with, prove that out, get some success stories, and it's really important to do that. You know, maybe it's it's five, maybe it's ten customers that you can you can kind of work with and and get to success. And and at that point, then I think scaling is again about remaining focused and and looking at how can you replicate, how can you get from ten to fifty to a hundred, you know, to a thousand customers. So. That those were the is how I would simply kind of break down the very first stage and then starting to scale from there. Incredible! I totally agree. Focus is absolutely critical, and it seems like you guys are doing it very well. Super, super awesome stuff, Andrew. This has been amazing. Thank you very much for coming and sharing your journey and telling us how you've been able to grow, enable, and 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 make it one of those really excellent startup brands that's happening right now. How can our audience learn more about what you're doing and enable? Sure. So our website is literally just enable.com. So it's very, very simple. So please go there. We've got lots of links to all of our social media. And my my kind of favorite platform is LinkedIn. So um, you'll, you know, please link in with me, contact me on LinkedIn. I'll be delighted to correspond. Okay, that's awesome. Perfect. And we'll put all that in the show notes and such. But Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's great, Matt. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. I have really enjoyed it myself. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening if you're on the podcast. This has been awesome having you here. I hope you've been able to get a lot of value from what Andrew has shared. Hope you're able to apply it yourself. Make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss out on any other upcoming segments and guests. We've got a lot of great people coming to you, other amazing leaders and creators like Andrew. So make sure you're subscribed, hit that button, and we'll make sure that we get you the best of the best. Thank you very much for coming, and we will see you next time. Take care. We'll be right back.